All right, we're in Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. 13 verses, wow. Let's see how we do with that. I'm going to read through it. I don't know if I should, but I will. Let's read through these 13 verses. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that all the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Gosh, that sounds like what we were just talking about. Everybody's falling down, worshipping at the feet of a false golden idol. A perversion. Hello. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. Does that sound familiar? They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Now, back in chapter 2, verse 47, we read this. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods. This is after Daniel had told him his dream and interpreted the dream. Your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. But in spite of that, it would appear here as we look into chapter 3 that Nebuchadnezzar had apparently not yet become a true convert. As we will see, God has ways of getting your attention. But we see here in chapter 3, he continues to promote the worship of number 1, false gods. Number 2, the worship of himself. And number 3, anything and everything except Jehovah. And that reminded me of someone else. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, let no one deceive you by any means for that day, the day of the Lord, the day of God's reckoning with the human race, will not come unless the falling away comes first. How many of you know that there's a great falling away going on right now? From the true faith? As James talks about that faith, that was once for all delivered to the saints. Gee, that happened 2,000 years ago with the apostles' doctrine. But now everybody and their brother is trying to change 
that doctrine, trying to reinvent Christianity to make it fit in with this modern 21st century, postmodern world we're living in. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. Now, some have come up with an alternate interpretation. I've looked at, looked at over a number of times. The Greek word is apostasia, where we get our word apostasy. It's also translated in some Bibles as rebellion until the rebellion comes first, the rebellion against God. And I would say that our planet is now in a worldwide rebellion against God. Others believe that this actually refers to the snatching away or catching away of the saints until the falling away or snatching away. It can very well be both. But there's no doubt, I believe, the Bible does teach that there will be a great end times falling away from the true faith. And we're witnessing it even now. But it says, The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So we know the Antichrist is going to set himself up as God and demand to be worshipped. That's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar is doing here. King Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. So Daniel had told Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2, hey, you're the king of kings, you know, you're the, 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 you're the, the head of gold. God is the one who put you there. He's the one who gave you your throne. But immediately it all goes to Nebuchadnezzar's head. And the next thing you know, he's building this giant statue in honor of himself. Let's pray. We'll get into chapter 3. Father, we ask your blessings upon this time in your word. Help us to cover the material that you would have us to cover today. We ask you to continue to teach us, feed us, lead us. Help us to get stronger and stronger so that we may stand firm in these last days. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're told here, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. Now obviously, he didn't personally build it, but he commissioned it and oversaw it. But um, again, as I said just a moment ago, apparently Daniel's interpretation of his dream and acknowledgement of Nebuchadnezzar as the golden head, inspired him to literally fulfill his own vision. Verse 37 of chapter 2, You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And so apparently this statement literally went to Nebuchadnezzar's head. Now probably most commentators speculate at least that this was probably not solid gold but overlaid with gold because gold is kind of a soft metal unless it's you know blended with something else and if you look on the inside of your ring it might be 14 carat 12 carat what have you so it's not pure or it would be too soft more than likely it was overlaid with gold which was a common practice in those days nevertheless it would have still been a lot a lot of gold Okay, so we're told that this image, its height was 60 cubits with 6 cubits, or if you translate that into our measurements, this thing was 90 feet high. Picture that. This building here, I think, is probably about 20 feet high. So four and a half times the size of this in height. And it was only 9 feet wide. 
This, again, the, these dimensions would have made the image about the size of a modern eight-story building. So about like the, the seven-story over here, maybe and a little bit taller yet, but very narrow. So this 10 to 1 ratio of height to width doesn't really fit an image in human form. It would be too slender. So this, for this reason, many Bible scholars believe that these dimensions include both the image and the pedestal upon which it sat, making the image about 40 feet and the pedestal about 50 feet. And so that would reflect proportions closer to those of a well-proportioned man. As we go through the description, we can see that it's obviously the image of a man. We're not told what the image represented. Some believe it was an image of Nebuchadnezzar himself. Others think it may have been Bel, Babylon's uh, patron god. It was more likely a statue of Nabu or Nebo, Nebuchadnezzar's personal god, the god of fire. And there's yet another possible scenario. Since no specific god is mentioned, it could be inferred that Nebuchadnezzar was not honoring one of the gods of Babylon, but instead was establishing a new form of religion, a religious worship, with this image as the center. Uh, his purpose may have been to establish a unified government alongside a unified religion. Hello again, one of the hallmarks and trademarks of the one world system of the Antichrist is a one world religion. And in order to establish that one world religion, Christianity has to be eradicated and that's exactly what they're trying to do right now. We read about Joe Biden's government promoting atheism in other countries. What in the world is that all about? And the Pope is known for doing a lot of strange things too, like uh, partnering up with Islam and Hinduism and so forth. The, uh, the early stages of the one world religion are already upon us. In doing this, the king would become not only the head of state, but also the head of religion. All who served under him would then recognize both his political and religious authority. Exactly what we're reading, we studied about in the book of Revelation before we started Daniel. In Revelation 13, we're told that the false prophet, the religious head of the one world system, the false prophet orders the inhabitants of the earth to set up an image of the beast, the Antichrist, and to worship the image. Now we're told here that Nebuchadnezzar set this image up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Dura was a common name in Mesopotamia for any place that was enclosed by mountains or a wall. And archaeologists have uncovered a large square made of brick some six miles southeast of Babylon, which may have been the base for this image. And again, people try to argue that uh, the Bible is not you know, historically accurate or geographically sound and so forth, but it, it turns out that every time they make some new archaeological discovery, it never debunks the Bible, it only supports it. And there have been so many of those in recent years, archaeological discoveries confirming stories from the Bible. Verse 2, Nebuchadnezzar sent word out to all of these different people, the satraps, administrators, and so forth, the officials of the provinces. Now they're listed here in descending order of rank. 
satraps were the chief officials of the provinces of the empire. Perhaps like a governor of one of our states. For each individual state, theoretically, the governor is the most powerful. In case of our state, that's a sad state of affairs. But so be it. God is in control. So according to chapter 2, verse 48, Daniel was given a position above all of these people, right at the top, just below Nebuchadnezzar himself. So we have said that he functioned much like a prime minister. Now the Queen of England is more of a figurehead these days than anything else, but theoretically she's the top of the food chain, and then under her is the prime minister. In later times, Zerubbabel in Haggai 1.1, Haggai 1.1, Nehemiah, Nehemiah 5.14, they were appointed governors over Judah by Cyrus, I believe it was, who came later on after Nebuchadnezzar. But at this point, Daniel is over all of these people. So they all came together to uh, attend this massive ceremony. The closest thing I can think of in our country would be when a new president is inaugurated, that's a massive, massive major deal. But every government official throughout the entire Babylonian Empire was assembled for this event. You dare not be absent. Then a herald in verse 4 cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations and languages, so what about what is what that which is about to happen is not optional. Think about that. They're going to be commanded to bow down before this image. O peoples, nations, and languages, or one translation says, men of every language. And so the Babylonian Empire was so vast, like empires that would come after it, uh, the Roman Empire in particular, I think of, where you have so many different people groups under that umbrella. You've got a multitude of languages being spoken. So people of every language, every people group and nation that was under Babylonian rule and control was represented here. Possibly, think about this, even including Judah, after having conquered Jerusalem, taken the people of Judah into captivity in Babylon, they were under Babylonian control as well. There was a remnant of people left there we don't know whether they were represented at this event or not. But these officials who came were by proxy representing every member of the Babylonian Empire. And so verse 5, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So to make it even more dynamic, more powerful, to add to the pageantry and majesty of the event, Nebuchadnezzar brought in the ancient version of an orchestra to play music as they begin to unveil this thing. It reminds me of the modern motion picture soundtrack. Can you imagine, for example, Star Wars without a soundtrack? There's a reason why every movie, every television show has a soundtrack. 
because it adds to the intensity, the feeling, the emotion. A lot of the, of the movies and TV programs we've watched through the years that seem so fantastic, you take the soundtrack away and they would probably be quite boring actually. And Nebuchadnezzar definitely wants to stir up the emotions of the people during this dedication to this image. And then we're told, verse 5, you must fall down. An act of absolute submission, obeisance, and humility. Not to mention, it would be easy to see who wasn't cooperating. That would be the person who's still standing. And that's another example of mass control intimidation, kind of like masks, kind of like other things we've experienced and witnessed lately where if you don't follow a given agenda, you stick out like a sore thumb. And so that was part of the intention, to get everyone to bow down. It would be very easy to tell who wasn't in compliance. In demanding these officials to fall before the image of gold, Nebuchadnezzar was demanding a public display of recognition and submission to his absolute authority in the kingdom. So they're told to bow down and to worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Ted shared about how they taught the Ten Commandments to the children. This is obviously an absolute violation. Even if this is not an image of Nebuchadnezzar, instead an image of one of the Babylonian gods, to worship and honor the image is to honor Nebuchadnezzar and because he worships it and has demanded that everyone else do the same. And by demanding and receiving absolute obedience on the part of all the governmental officials from the greatest to the smallest or the least, Nebuchadnezzar could be confident they would continue to be loyal servants and carry out his wishes throughout the Babylonian Empire. Again, you think of the rise of Adolf Hitler in Nazi Germany and the massive hundreds of thousands of people that would gather to publicly honor him and basically worship him. The Nazi salute, which I won't do. So down through human history, the, the vessels and tools of Satan have utilized the same basic practices. And then of course here's where it gets really hot and heavy. Verse 6. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately. Nebuchadnezzar didn't mess around, did he? Remember when he told the, uh, the magicians and the astrologers and so forth, if you can't tell me what my dream was and then interpret it, I'm going to kill you all. I'm going to cut your heads off. No messing around here. And now he says, I'm going to throw you into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Uh, you can see that the Babylonians certainly did not practice separation of church and state. See, back in those days, and to some extent perhaps today, but back then world powers believed that each nation could have its own god. The Jews were the only nation that claimed their God as the only true God. Therefore, only the Jews would oppose this worship of the image. People of other nations found little or no difficulty in worshiping other gods along with their own. Hey, the more the merrier. We see that attitude today, don't we? 
For this reason, this command would especially affect the exiled Jews living in Babylon. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and associates. Boy, they're going to be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace if they don't bow down. And believe it or not, this was actually a fairly common means of execution at the time. Again, the Nazis used this against the Jews during the Holocaust. Very clean and efficient. Execution and disposition of the remains all in one fell swoop. So at the time when all the people, verse 7, heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Well, that tells us nobody wanted to be baked Alaska, bananas flambe, or cherries jubilee. So they all complied immediately. They all bowed down. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. So men from the group with which Daniel and his associates were affiliated, the Chaldeans, the wise men. Daniel became the head of that group as well, remember? They come forward to accuse the Jews, denounce the Jews. It literally means ate the pieces of, devoured piecemeal, tore them up, shredded them. The term suggests slander and malicious accusations which devour the accused piece by piece. Undoubtedly, these men were envious and jealous of Daniel and the other guys because they had risen to the top of that order over the, the native Babylonian men. They were Jews, and now the king had placed them in the highest positions of authority. And they were envious, they were jealous, and they were trying to get back at them. So they spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever! Smack, 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 you know, butter, butter, butter. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. Yeah, the king knew that, right? And whenever, whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So they're setting the king up here. They know a king cannot revoke his own word, no matter how harmful it might be to some, he may not wish to be harmed. I don't know how many remember this story. In Judges chapter 11, there was a guy named Jephthah. He was one of the judges in ancient Israel. He had just won a battle over the Ammonites, and he vowed that he would offer, as a result of God giving him this victory, he vowed that he would offer the first thing that came out of his house as a burnt offering to Yahweh. Remember that story? Sadly, you know, this was probably not a good idea that he do that. It just so happened. I don't know, apparently, if you make that kind of a vow, you must have goats and sheep and stuff living inside your house, right? <laughs> that actually happened to us in New Zealand. My wife and I stayed on a farm in New Zealand. The people had goats and sheep and so forth. Sheep is herding is big in New Zealand. Anyway, I woke up with a goat licking my face. The goat was in the house, so it's not all that unusual, apparently. But instead of a goat or a sheep or whatever walking out of his house, the first person or thing to walk out of his house was his daughter, his only child, who had come out to greet him. 
celebrate his victory. The scriptures seem to indicate she asked her father for a couple of months to go off into the hills and mourn, hang out with her virgin girlfriends, and then she would come home and submit to that sacrifice. And the scriptures seem to indicate that that took place. So back in biblical times, people took their vows, their words, very, very seriously. And especially if you were a king, if you didn't keep your word, if you didn't follow through, then your, your reputation, your authority, everything would be undermined. I'm not suggesting that anyone enter into something like that which Jephthah did. And obviously not what King Nebuchadnezzar did, but we could certainly use a good dose of integrity in our world today where people really do keep their word and take their word seriously. Remember that old expression, my word is my bond? Do you remember that? And we don't want to even go into the number of times that each one of us experienced someone breaking their word, and we've probably done it a few times ourselves, right? Jesus said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. It, what it does, it causes someone to really think things through before they just open their mouth, which is a good idea. All right, let's move on. So the Chaldeans came forward. They denounced the Jews, and now they're setting the king up. They know a king that cannot revoke his own word. So verse 13, now the, here, comes, here comes the punchline. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to be specific, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They have disrespected you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, Nebuchadnezzar may not yet be a true worshiper of Yahweh, of Jehovah, but he does know, based upon his experience with Daniel, that their god, the god of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, is superior to to all other so-called gods. And had he not been set up in this manner, I have no doubt he would have given them a pass. Again, note the parallels between Daniel and Esther, for example, who was put in a very similar position of having to stand up to a king to defend her people against potential annihilation. Mordecai, her uncle, and the bad guy, Haman, King Artaxerxes, there are many similarities in the stories. But notice there's one person missing from this diatribe issued against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They don't mention Daniel, interestingly enough. Perhaps his position as the king's right-hand man shielded him from this situation it's hard to imagine that he would have not been at this unveiling. But he's not named, he's not mentioned. But his three best friends are. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. The accusation is that their refusal to bow or participate proved their disrespect for Nebuchadnezzar, which is not the case. They simply placed a higher priority on obeying God than obeying men. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you set up. And so notice something here. Their accusation goes beyond 
the situation at hand. And like so often when people are determined to do dastardly deeds, they're plotting it out, they're planning it for a period of time, waiting for the perfect opportunity. We've seen a lot of that in our country in the last few years as well. Their accusation goes beyond the situation at hand. Not only will they not bow down to the image, these guys say, they have not, do not, and will not participate in Babylonian religious practices. Remember how they, they fasted on water and vegetables rather than eat the king's non-kosher foods, and they emerged healthier, stronger, brighter, every step of the way, honoring God, but at the same time, honoring Nebuchadnezzar, whom they were under his authority at that point. But their accusation goes beyond the immediate situation with the golden image. Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me, they knew that. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or a golden image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Think of the PETA group, the animal rights movement. Telling us, that, well actually dolphins are smarter than humans, you know. In fact, a dolphin built that hospital over there. Not true, is it? Worshiping the creation rather than the creator. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 1. It leads to a degradation, a downgrading of the human race. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. God takes these things very seriously. Disobedience on the part of the Jews concerning these commandments is what landed them in Babylon in the first place. So here's my nicknames. Shad, Shecky. Actually, even in modern times, that's a popular name among Jews. There was a comedian named Shecky Green. So we have Shad, Shecky, and to bed we go. Ever heard that one? Instead of Abednego, it's to bed we go. They were not about to make that mistake again that their forebears, their ancestors had made, no matter what the cost. As we know and as we'll look at next week, they were willing to go into the fiery furnace and be burned to death rather than to make the mistake of bowing down to this idol. It reminds me of the apostles, Acts chapter 5, verse 27, when they had brought them the Sanhedrin, they were brought before the Sanhedrin. They got in trouble for preaching Jesus. They set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? Don't you guys get it? We're the ones in authority here. We told you not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore, and you're still doing it. And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. That's the idea, right? And intend to bring this man's blood on us. No, you brought it on you. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to, or one translation says must. I think that's probably the more accurate one. 
We ought to, we must obey God rather than men. And so I've given you that standard many times that, yes, Romans 13 talks about obeying the authorities that God has placed in power, but there's always that uh, caveat. In fact, Joseph Farah on World Net Daily has a really good article about that. I think it's entitled something like, Are Christians Always Required to Obey the Government? Something along those lines. It's a very, very good article where he talks about these things. But anytime the government commands us to do something that would result in us being disobedient to God, we are not obligated to obey them. And that's the case that a lot of pastors and churches were making during the pandemic. We are commanded to gather together as the body of Christ. Do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. And yet the government said, don't do it. You can't have church. You can't meet there. You can only have like 10 people or whatever, you know? So we, like many other churches who were trying to be complicit, be cooperative, I think for us it was about a month or six weeks where we did only online. But then at that point, the Holy Spirit clearly said, no, you can't do this anymore. You've got to get back together as a church. And I know that happened with a lot of churches across the country. And I know other churches that kept on complying and complying and complying. A lot of those churches died. And that's what the devil wanted. He wanted to destroy the church. He wanted to kill the church. And if we start obeying the government before God, that's what will happen. Not going to do it. George H.W. Bush, wouldn't be prudent. <laughs> wouldn't be prudent. Okay, so here we are. Our final verse for today. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury... Kind of sounds like the, the pro-abortion people when they banned Roe v. Wade. Peace and love. Kill the babies. Gee, that's kind of a dead giveaway. Huh? When you're growling and screaming and acting all demonic. Gee, you must be right. We must be wrong. You must be right. I don't think so. Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hello. Doesn't sound too promising. I've, I've come to regard, refer to these guys, along with Daniel, as the Babylon Four. But here it's minus Daniel. So there's impending doom for these guys. Fortunately, we know how the story turns out. But we'll get to look at, at it in depth next week. Let's stand. As we go to prayer this morning, I'd like to ask if you have a prayer request that you'd please raise your hand. We would like to include you in that prayer request. Many, many, many people this morning, and that's okay. God loves to hear from his people. He tells us to ask, to seek, to knock, and that's what we're doing this morning. Father, we lift up all these folks who have raised their hands. It's a, it's a big percentage of the church here today. And you know each person, you know each heart, you know what's going on. Lord, we'll start with health issues. We know that eventually we will receive our immortal, imperishable, incorruptible, eternal bodies, but we haven't gotten them yet, Lord. 
And so we do have struggles in this life with health issues. We lift those up to you now. Lord, we prayed for Lawrence earlier, but there are so many others here today and others that are represented by someone here today who are struggling with everything from allergies and colds to COVID-19 to cancer to leukemia, lung disease. Lord, the list goes on and on. And Father, like Job said, even if you decide to take us home, we will praise you. But we do pray for healing, that you'd pour out your love, your grace, your mercy upon those who are physically afflicted. Father, we pray for healing, for release and relief from pain. Lord, our desire is to have as much strength and energy as possible to serve you, to honor you, to glorify you here on this planet. So we pray for the arthritis, Father, for the glaucoma, Lord, for the heart disease, Lord, for each and every affliction that's probably represented here today. We love you, we praise you, and even if our health continues to deteriorate, we will never turn away from you, but we pray that you'd pour out your love, your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness upon us and bring healing in Jesus' name. Pray, Father, for those struggling financially. Lord, your word clearly tells us that you are our provider, and if we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, all these things would be added unto us. So we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to keep our focus on you, Lord, to always be thankful, as Paul said, to be thankful in all things, always giving you thanks and praise. And that you would meet the needs of your people, Lord. We know a lot of times we have wants that may not be necessary or appropriate, but we do have needs, and you promise to meet those needs. We ask you to provide for your people, provide income, provide jobs, provide resources, however you choose to do it. And help us to always give you the glory for being our provider. And Lord, comfort and encouragement for those who are struggling to know that you really are on their side, you really are in control, and you really will take care of us. Lord, we lift up those with emotional mental issues. That's a big thing in our world today, Lord. A massive outbreak of um, anxiety, depression, fear, worry, doubt, unbelief. We ask that you'd pour out your spirit and strengthen your people. Deliver us, Lord, from these debilitating emotions and feelings. We know we should not live by our emotions and our feelings, but sometimes they do get the best of us. We ask for deliverance, for healing in Jesus' name. And finally, for relationships, Lord, that may have been damaged or broken. We know, again, the enemy comes but to steal, to kill, and destroy, but you came that we might have life and life more abundantly. And abundant life includes having good friendship and fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, with our own family members, our husbands, our wives, our children, people in our neighborhood, people that we work with. Lord, we pray that you would just heal and repair and give us wisdom on how we can be advocates of healing and restoration and reconciliation, Lord. Help us to be instruments of your peace. We thank you and we praise you and we ask you to receive now our final offering of praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.